Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris has over 30 years experience. If you've been listening to us, you'll know just how helpful her advice is. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm really well. Did you have a nice weekend? I had a great weekend. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, if you haven't had a particularly wonderful weekend because your children have been challenging you, now is the time to get in touch. You can give us a call on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. If you are listening to us via podcast and it's a catch-up, you can always email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. That number again is 1-800-543-772. It is our second last helpline no. of the year. Christmas is rushing in. So if you get a chance, please give us a call now, ask your questions, and Chris will do what she can to help you. Um, we're going to start with Anne-Marie. She has a nine-month-old. She wants to know, is it okay for a baby of this age to only have a 7 a.m. and a 7 p.m. breastfeed, or does he need more? The context is she's returning to work next week and he doesn't take a bottle. At present, he's getting four feeds per day, 7 a.m., 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. He's also eating three meals per day and two snacks. He's a great eater and sleeper and he's growing well. Ah, Marie, uh, Marie, it's really difficult going back to work because you've worked this hard for nine months. Um, He does need his milk feeds, otherwise he's going to start waking up at night and that will undermine all that good work you've done. But the good thing is he doesn't need four milk feeds. He only needs three. So you could breastfeed him in the morning and breastfeed him in the evening and they could offer him a bottle in or around lunchtime and they might offer it over a little period of time. So he still needs about 150 mils in that day. So if the bottle isn't working, what I would try is to get him using his sippy cup then leave the milk in the sippy cup and then they can offer it across maybe an hour or so of the day to get that extra milk into him. So this week I would drop him down to three milk feeds in a day. So he has one at seven. He'll have one before he goes down for his afternoon sleep and then he'll have one before he goes to bed and that's age appropriate and he keeps that till he's 12 months or more, up to 14 months. So I think the second thing you need to do, if you've got time, I know you've only got a week, is to get him drinking some of that um, breast milk out of the cup so that you can leave that breast milk at daycare and that they can start offering it to him. So in a month or so, you could you could move that through to cow's milk. So you wouldn't have to necessarily do formula if he could hang out for a month or so with expressing. And you probably would need to. So he wouldn't be able to cope very well um, from seven till seven at night on two, two milk feeds. Well, he'll probably cope because he'll drink water. But he will get up at night to to regain the milk feeds that he's lost during the day. So to keep the pattern going well, let's see if we can get him to take it in the cup during the day. And one thing I'm going to ask for you, Anne-Marie, because I wasn't sure at the time. Um, Anne-Marie probably needs to check that her work has a place she can express during the day. If she wants to, if she uh, wants to keep yeah. express breastfeed well, in the middle of the day or... Technically, if she could express in the evening before she went to bed and that was enough for the day, like she could get 150 meals or so for the day, then she wouldn't need to express during the day at work. 
But I think to go from four breastfeeds to two breastfeeds in a week, you'd have to do some expressing during the day because you're going to get really, really uncomfortable. Okay. So, well, maybe um, see how you go, Emery. And if you'd like to um, ask some more questions, we do have one more. Um, yeah, sure. Next week. So, yeah. um, Chris is giving you the get advice it. for feeding. If you have questions about expressing or what might work best there, feel just free to call. To or... call and we'll, we'll just sort it out. But yes, he still needs his milk feeds in the day at nine months. Brilliant. Okay, our next question comes from Sarah, who has 10-month-old twins. Um, Thank you for taking the time to read my email. She says, sorry, it's a long one. (laughs) I have almost 10-month-old boy-girl twins who share a room but sleep in their own cots. And after 10 months, I can only describe their sleep as inconsistent. We can now have two or three good nights when they will both sleep through, but this is often followed by a week of rough nights with multiple wake-ups and taking 45 minutes to an hour and a half to resettle to sleep and 5 a.m. wake-ups. They have catnapped during the day for most of their life and do not respond to resettling attempts. They have only in the last month or two started to have a longer morning nap of one to one and a half hours. But afternoon naps, I'm lucky to get longer than one sleep cycle never the two hours they should ideally be having. When they wake from their short naps, they are mostly happy, smiling, and get frustrated at my resettling attempts, which is patting, stroking, shushing, repeating, it's time to sleep, and just want to crawl or roll around their cots to pull or pull to standing. Both during the night and after naps, I fear leaving them in their cot to resettle alone will only lead to them waking the other twin, particularly if they start crying. But I just don't get success in assisting them to resettle in their cots. How can I help them achieve a longer afternoon nap, which I assume will also help their night sleep become more consistent? Absolutely. Well, the good thing is, Sarah, that you've given us a lot of the information that we would need in that long email. Um, So you're absolutely right. The fact that they only sleep 45 minutes on average for you during the day and they can't resettle is why you get the unsettledness at night because they don't know how to go back to sleep. So the, the two or three nights where they sleep through or they sleep really well for you, so they might sleep for eight hours or so, is just purely because they're exhausted collectively. So you're right in um, the fact that the days are impacting the nights and they're bouncing off each other. So if they haven't had a great night, they're really tired in the day, then it all keeps going backwards and forwards. So the first thing I would say is that you also have the second most common um, problem with twins, which is I don't want one to cry because the other one will wake up, but inadvertently it creates this problem. So the first thing I would do is make sure your timing's right so they were awake for about three hours before you put them down for a sleep. And from waking from that first sleep another three hours to put all three and a half hours to put them back down to sleep. So I wouldn't wake them up out of their morning sleep. If they're going to sleep for an hour and a half, we're going to take it. Then the second thing is that you might have to separate them for a little bit um, during the day to teach them to resettle because what you're doing at the moment isn't working and 9 and 10 and 11 and 12 month olds, you come in to give them a pat like a little baby and they'll just laugh at you and roll away <laughs> So and then stand up as if to say, come and catch me. And by that stage, it's nearly all over. So they do need a period of time to be able to self-settle so that when you come in and and pat them, they're more responsive to it. And a period of time could be anything from a couple of minutes to 10 minutes to they're not really crying at all and you might have left them a little bit longer. So it's, it's not an easy one to quantify the amount of time without talking to you about the overall thing or the overall message that they get with going to sleep because we don't know how they go to sleep.
So, first thing I would do is check the timing. The second thing I would do is work out and realize that you can't fix the, the night problem without fixing the day problem. And to do that with twins of this age, I would separate them for three days and then put them back together. Now, what we mean by that is I separate them in the day and I always keep them together at night. So even if I'm self-settling one, the other one will sleep through it. And if they both wake up, they're both waking up anyway. So you may as well settle them in exactly the same way. So a short period of them trying to settle themselves, then going in and rolling them over and patting them till they're calm. If they get themselves really worked up, give them a cuddle and put them down. This is not going to be easy. I reckon that you would do this over the Christmas break where you and your partner can both do it and less impact on each other. And you need to be clear about what you're going to do. So short period of crying, going in, patting, stroking, wouldn't talk too much to them because they'll think it's a game and they'll get up. Um, and then putting them back together at night. So you can put one in a, a porter cot and one, keep one in their, in their bed. But I would say that you'll be surprised at how well it fixes itself um, within about three or four days. So I think I'd find a time when you've got that amount of time and just start to correct it okay so it's going to be a little bit of work but it's worth it because two babies up at 14 months never a good thing oh dear well good luck sarah and um as you mentioned we have another week so if you yeah. want to call and get some have a go tips, and then call us back give us a call we'll be back uh monday midday eastern standard no, Tough. Eastern Daylight Savings, savings time. time. So I always forget that. We also have a uh, someone on the phone. It's Fiona. She has yeah. a sleep routine question for an almost 13-month-old. Hi, Fiona. How are you? Hello. Good, thanks, ladies. How are you? Good. good. Tell us what's okay. happening. Chris, I've just got a quick one. So my little, um, she's almost 13 months, um, yep. great sleeper. Um, so wakes up between 6 and 6.30, goes down about 9.30, sleeps for a good hour and a half. Yep. In the in morning, and then back down again at about two two thirty. Um, it sleeps for two hours, but I'm just wondering how do I? Yeah, no, it's great. I'm not complaining. Yeah. But I know that he's got to go down to one nap, and I'm just wondering how how I bring that because that morning that's quite long. Sometimes he can even if I don't wake him, he won't. Not sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not sure what time he'd wake. Right, so I tend to try and wake him about eleven ish. And what time do you put him down in the at night? Yeah. Yeah, I put him down at seven. Oh, and he goes down and he sleeps pretty much through the night? Yep, through the night. Okay, so the first thing is you don't need to move him to one sleep until you see movement within those sleep cycles. So if suddenly it's taking you longer to get him down or he's going to bed nicely at 7 but waking at 5 o'clock and dancing, that's when you need to start thinking about moving him to one sleep. So by the look of it, that may not be till 15 months because he's sleeping so well. So one thing is don't rush into it. The second thing is when you're ready, how I do it is I decrease the morning sleep by 15 minutes over Mm -hmm. a few days till you get it down to about 40 minutes. And, of course, each time you move that, the afternoon sleep is going to come up in the cycle. So it's coming up in the day because at the moment they're quite far apart. Mm. So you're going to decrease the morning one till it gets to 40 minutes. That will bring your 2.30 back up to about 1 o'clock. Then I start doing the 40 minutes, 20 to 40 minutes in the car and the pram for a few days. So it's a little bit lighter for him. So he sleeps even deeper when you put him down in the afternoon. Ah, And then I bring it to 11.30. Yeah, so he stays up and he goes down at 11.30. But it doesn't sound like 
he's ready for yeah. that. No. <laughs> Unless something dramatic happens in the next month, you might, if it's working for you, you might get away yeah. with it until 15 months before he even looks like he wants to get down into that one sleep cycle. Oh, okay. Yeah. And just in terms of his length between naps, like at the moment it's, it's almost three hours. Yeah. Can I stretch it a bit longer? You Should can, but you're going to run too far into the afternoon, I think. Yeah. So the, okay. it, once you shorten the morning one, Absolutely, yep. you can bring the, the afternoon one forward and let it lengthen into two and two and a half hours. But you can't do that until he's, he's up at that one o'clock period because then he'd sleep till, say, three or 3.30. Then there's enough time from then till seven for him to go back down. So the awake window is usually three hours in the morning, yep. three to three and a half hours in the afternoon. And then you need another three to three and a half hours in the late afternoon afternoon. to keep your timing right. So that's why you modify the morning one. So it drags the afternoon sleep forward. Uh, okay, cool. So that's right. So at the moment, that's fine. Then because yeah. three, three and a half hours. Yeah, that's in right. The afternoon, and he goes down about between you know seven and quarter yeah. past seven, depending on what yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Wake up in the and afternoon. in the summer, you might even deliberately let him sleep longer and go out for early morning, early dinner, early and dinner. then put him down to bed at seven thirty. Oh, that's how you get the mo- that's how you get the movement. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit rigid like that. Yeah, but, but see, guys- all that rigidness has taught him to sleep. Now you've got flexibility. True, <laughs> true. Thank you, Chris. You are a superstar. I oh, thank, thank you, so you Fiona. For your oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Merry Thanks. Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. Cheers. Bye. Bye, Bye Fiona. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Here on Helpline, Chris takes your questions about everything. It could be about settling, could be about moving sleeps like we yeah. just heard. And it doesn't have to be something you've got a problem with. Like no. as you heard from Fiona, everything was going well. Sometimes you just want to know, do You're I doing have the to right mix thing. it up? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and thankfully now, Fiona won't. She can no. have longer with her baby sleeping. <laughs> um, if you're listening via the Kindling Conversation podcast, you can email us during the week at conversation at kindling.com.au. It is our second last show for the year, so get your questions in now if you'd like Chris to answer them next week. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. Our question now comes from Samantha. My almost four-year-old has become bad-mannered and argumentative lately. Is this normal behaviour for his age? Yes. (laughs) I'm finding myself losing patience with him quite often. I ask him to do something and he wants to do it on his terms. He procrastinates something cruel before doing it too. (laughs) Yeah, we understand. Yeah, Yeah. that's why we call them the urban terrorists. Um, That is completely paid age appropriate. So think about him in his headspace that for the first two to three years of their life, they're following rules, they're testing rules, they're working out where they fit everywhere. Now as a four-year-old, he wants to sort of exert himself a little bit. And what he's looking for from you is where does that behaviour sit within your family, within society? So yeah, he's going to stamp his little feet. And what you need to work out, is it reasonable behaviour? Because sometimes we ask of them unreasonable things like get in the car in a minute. They're not going to do that. be nice if they did. They need to finish (laughs) playing with the blocks, then they need to put their shoes on, then they need to do a wee, then they need to get in the car. So sometimes I think our busy world rushes this age group and they fight back against that rushing. And sometimes they're a little bit defiant because they're trying to work out how does that fit in 
in what we're doing and where we are and how do I fit in that world? So that's where the four-year-old's sort of coming from. And the next thing is you need to ask yourself, is it reasonable behaviour and is this fight worth it? Like, who's going to come out at the end of this? So if he wants to wear one red gumboot and one blue gumboot and you're just going to the park, I I personally wouldn't argue that. I think if he's got shoes on, let's go. But if your thing that matters to you might be sitting down at the table, might be looking at grandparents when they come in and saying hello, those are the fights that are probably worth you going around and teaching him the behaviour you want. So I think his behaviour reads like a four-year-old and I think it's just very different to a two and a three-year-old. And so that big change in who they are as four-year-olds, if you if he's your first child, then that comes as a rude shock to the parents. It does. does it not? <laughs> yes, it does. So I've got a four and a half year old Samantha, and um, yes, he doesn't listen either. I've got yeah. to admit, he's more cheeky than bad mannered. Yeah. It all depends on how you look at it. Um, we have some more questions from Fiona. She's oh, oh, sorry, from Samantha. She says, Are the questions he knows the answers to normal as well? I'm not sure if I understand that. Are the questions he knows the answer to? So he might ask. I know what she's talking about. So yep. he might say, um, might be a routine, like we're going to the bath. Uh-huh. And he might ask a question when he knows the answer is we're going to the bath. Right. And he might be looking to go and play. Uh-huh. No, I've just said that you're going to the bath. Right. So he knows the answer. Okay. He's testing. <laughs> He's testing and pushing. So yes, he, he knows the answer. Um, or he doesn't look like he's listening is the other way they do it. Yeah, well, if it, yeah, if it's any consolation, like if I tell my son he needs to come over so he can get dressed, he, he just keeps walking. He'll yeah, smile yeah, at me he, and just keep, keep walking, walking away. So <laughs> my answer to that is take them naked to daycare or dress them as soon as they get up so you don't have that argument. So there's all these strategies, but it's really hard to learn if this is your first four-year-old that you're living with. But I think they're in this really interesting moving stage. They're no longer that toddler and they're a little person. And I think they're looking for a little bit of the respect. But I agree with you. I'm big on manners. And that's one of my things. If you're not if you're not polite and nice and can say thank you or whatever that is that you're looking for, that's worth having the argument. Because I think mm. it's reflective as it gets older. Also, um, further reading, if you'd like, we both love mm. Maggie Dent. Yes, we so do. So you can search for her on the interwebs as yeah. you are here already. She's very good. She's great. She's got books as well. And we've done lots of interviews with her on Kindling Conversations. Yeah. So you can head to the website, which is kindling.com.au. Search for Maggie Dent. You'll find lots of interviews we've yeah. done specifically about boys. And it's, um, it's definitely helped me mm. understand my little You've got to get in their head. As yes. in where they're coming from, not get in their head like you're the only person talking to them. You got to you got to understand where they're coming from, and then you can shape them and move them to where you need them to be. But it's a bit of a skill, and you got to learn it. <laughs> I'm still learning. Yeah. I, think I, I have a suspicion that I perhaps will always be learning. Yep. Um, so good luck with that, Samantha. Hope that helps. Uh, Claire is has a three and a half year old and a three month old road trip question. We're planning a Christmas road trip from Sydney to Brisbane over two days, Perfect. staying at Coffs Harbour in between. Yep. The children are three and a half, 
years old and three months old. Is this a totally terrible idea? No, but you can use bribery, corruption and deception to get there. Okay. Well, so she's, I'd she's be pulling few, it all out. So, yes. So she says the eldest will be fine with music, snacks, toys, etc. And we've done the trip with him before, but I'm worried it's not fair on our three-month-old. He's okay in the car if we can put him in drowsy or asleep. So we're going to try to work with that and give him lots of breaks, but would appreciate any advice you might have. So maybe so, more for the three-month-old. Yeah. So the three-month-old in a way is easier than the three-year-old because the thing about the three-year-old is the music and the snacks only work for so long and then they just get bored of it. So I think as long as you've planned this trip that you've got two big breaks where you've actually gone into a park. For the three-month-old, they need that hour and a half wake of movement to be tired enough to sleep well in the car, but they also need it the longevity, but they don't go very long between feeds. So I think you'll be stopping about every t- one and a half to two and a half hours. So you're right in, in, in that um, breaking this up would be easier. If I had a three-and-a-half-year-old and a three-month-old, I think I'd send the three-and-a-half-year-old with Dad in the car the day before and I'd be getting on a plane the day after and they'd meet at the airport and pick me up. I think that's how I would do it. But I think with a three-month-old, you're going to have to have a lot of patience because they can only tolerate being in the car, in that car seat for a short period. And it makes a huge difference whether it's a car seat or a capsule because the capsule gets a little bit hotter and they're a little bit more enclosed. So a car seat, they tend to last a little bit longer because they've got a little bit more room, a little bit more airflow around them. But for every sleep that he has, an hour and a half to two hours, you probably need to stop for a good hour to hour and a half and he needs to be on the floor and stretching and moving. So it'll be time and patience with that three-month-old. Occasionally I would, um, from the back of the car, dangle a few toys. You know how you can get those toys that, that clip onto your headrest so he can see some movement? Because he's just going to be looking at the back of the car for most of that trip. Mm-hmm. So I think time and patience is more important in this one. Your three-year-old should do all right because you'll be fe- you'll be stopping frequently enough for them to go for a run that you'll be doing okay, you know, with them. I think you need a map and you need to pinpoint where you're going to get off the map and there's places to stop. And it won't always be McDonald's play area. So (laughs) it might just need to be a park or a beach that you go to, give them a run and stretch that little three-month-old. But the the reverse is send three-year-old and dad in the car and they can listen to the Wiggles for like nine hours. And um, you just, you know, hop on a plane the next day that accidentally arrives at Brisbane just about the time they'd fly, they'd be driving in. Doesn't that sound perfect? Um, just <laughs> as also would, I might just plug the NRMA um, uh, yes. insurance. Are we there yet series? Because yep. your three-year-old would love it. It's on the Kindling app for free. You would need to download, download it before you leave so you can listen to it. There's stories, travel activities that you yep. don't have to think about. Um, and there's, we've got celebrities like Justine Clark, Guy Sebastian, Fitzy and Whipper. Mm. So it's good for parents as well. Like you won't get yeah. bored with it. Yeah, and no. There are probably games that you can play with them as well. Yep. You know, we play I Spy, My Little Eye no. with colours. Or, and my oh, daughter yeah. makes up the rules as we go. So you've got to drive along. You've got to say, I spy my life, something that is green. And you've got to hope that you choose it before it goes past you. Yeah. Unless it's a trip. Then they'll just change the rules on you anyway. <laughs> but that's half the battle. But I think it's the three-month-old. The, the frequency of the shopping, uh, the stopping for the three-month-old, okay. I think, is what's going to pull this trip out. Well, good luck, Claire. It's not a terrible idea, but we wish you the best of it's luck. It's not a terrible idea. It's an organised idea. Yeah, you have to be organised. Be organized. <laughs>
And maybe you can stop with this good coffee too. Yeah. Um, and, and alcohol at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Anne-Marie has a three-year-old. She's looking for toilet training advice. She starts three-year-old kinder in the new year and I'm scared she won't be toilet trained. Oh, Anne-Marie, I think you will be surprised at how clever three-year-olds are. Um, so I do this in two, st- two parts. So I'll try as quickly as I can to describe it. Hopefully she's got some toilet awareness and what toilet awareness is is that maybe when you run the bath she's sitting on the toilet on a soft seat with a stool for her feet to stand on. So you might do that for a little bit until she's quite comfortable with sitting on the toilet and maybe doing a wee for you which accidentally happens if you're running a bath. So she might, she, it sounds like she hasn't been off to daycare because she needs to be toilet trained to go. So the next thing I do is increase the number of times that I take her to the toilet. So maybe you've done a week or two of just letting her sit on the toilet. The next week I'm increasing it. So I might say, let's try for a wee before we go to the park. Let's try for the wee before we have lunch. Um, I'm putting no pressure on her because this is telling you where she's at. So if she's willing to sit on the toilet and she starts doing a couple of wees, then that's amazing. So at this stage, I'm putting pull-ups on her. So she's getting used to pull down and pull up and then the time involved with pull down and pull up. So if that goes okay, you're pretty good. We're getting there. So the language around this one is we are going to the toilet. So the next one is toilet training. So toilet training comes when we've made the decision that they're starting to do some wheeze in the toilet. Um, They understand the concept of what we're asking of them. So three is a really good age. And the next part is that we're going to put little underwear on them. And that gives them a sense of the free feeling and gives them much more awareness of... um, have much more awareness of what their body's doing. So the next week we might put a T-shirt on her and little underwear. We don't go very far, so we're not staying at home, but we're not going very far. Um, we're not putting the nappy on her just in case because that'll confuse her. So she's now in her little underwear unless she's going to bed. And then we do gentle reminders. So we say things like, we're going to the park, would you like to try for a wee? And if she says no, then I'd put a little skirt on her, maybe take a few extra things here, and then I'd go to the park. We've got to give her a little bit of trust. Um, When you're at home, another really easy way to get them, well, sort of easy, could be messy, um, to toilet train is actually just let them run around with nothing on. And they get a real awareness of what their body's doing and leave the door open to the toilet. And if you notice her running towards the toilet, you might just want to follow her along and help her to go to the toilet. But I definitely do it in two to three steps. I don't just go from wearing nappies one day to wearing nothing the next because they get very confused and they may regress on you. So um, take your time, think it out a little bit, get prepared, and I think you'll be surprised at how well she does it. It's good in summer too, isn't it? It's great in summer. And if she has a little friend who goes to the toilet, that'd be good because they can sort of follow each other and go to the toilet. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. We only have time for one more question. Um, You can always email us during the week on conversation at kindling.com.au for our next and final helpline of the year, which is next Monday at midday. Eastern Daylight Standard Times. <laughs> daylight Saving Time is what you're trying to say. I don't know why I find that say. so hard. <laughs> anyway, you can find us on uh, Facebook Live if that you'd like to um, ask your question or you can call us on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. Um, KZ says, hello, any advice on gently weaning a 20-month-old who still wants to be fed when waking at night? Gently. Okay. Well, gently depends on how many times, but we'll assume it's at least once. 
if not twice. So the gentle way of doing this, but it ha- it's sort of gentle in a structured way, is 20-month-olds are a little bit loud, very consistent, can keep going for hours on end until they get what they need. So the first thing I would do is if you're feeding both sides of the breast, I'd start only feeding one side of the breast for a couple of days just to shorten the feeds without changing the rhythm of when you feed him. So if you feed him three times a night, feed him three times a night, but only give him one breast um, so that he realises that something's changing. After a couple of days of doing that, the first time he wakes, I would resettle him. And then the second time he wakes, I would feed him. So that's going to take a little bit of time. This is probably going to take you about three to five days to get him to accept you settling him and not feeding him. But the next time, so if you settled him at 10 o'clock and it took you an hour, which it may do, till 11, and then he woke at 12.30, I would fully feed him at 12.30. And what we're hoping is that he sleep longing gates over the few days of resettling and then he wakes at one thirty-two or 3, and you only feed him half a side. And then after a few days of that, when you're down to one feed, you have to take a little breath, pick your days, and you need to get him to sleep through or to be resettled through the night without the feed. For this bit, I think you would need the help of a partner as well, if there's a um, partner around, because 20-month-olds are very loud and when mum walks in the door, they sort of look down at your chest as if to say, that's where I'm going. So you have to have a lot of strength as a 20-month-old. But plan it out a little bit, shorten the feeds that you're doing at the moment, then eliminate the first one and hopefully that will allow it to drop to one feed and then you're going to push that one feed, feed through. Good luck, Casey. Good luck. Could be a noisy Christmas. (laughs) Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks to everyone for um, sending in your questions. Thank you, Chris, for all your answers. Ah, it's a pleasure. As usual. Um, If we didn't get to your question today, um, Chris has been answering questions for about three and a half, four years now, (laughs) and we have all of those answers on our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. We have a a segment under Kindling Helpline where you'll find all of her advice um, to some of those tricks situations and you can get in touch with your questions for Chris for the next episode of Kindling Helpline just email us at conversation at kindling.com.au You've been listening to Kindling Conversation If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au